Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trina here with you. It is Friday, October 9th. It is our weekly mailbag, and it's... It's the show that I look forward to doing every week because I get a chance to hear from you, see what's on your mind, and answer your questions. And this episode, in part, is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game and with full replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, so as promised, we are going to do uh, a mailbag today. We have some questions that came in via Twitter. We have some questions that came on came in via email. So I'm going to get through as many of these as I can. And we're going to start off with the email questions that were sent to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. We're going to kick it off with John Schneier who actually wrote last Friday, so I've been holding this question, um, wants to know, do you think the league will do anything for the teams like the Giants who started the season with new coaches but because of COVID lost the opportunity for the extra live practice time with teams with new coaches are afforded? John, at this point, if they haven't done anything for the Giants, I don't see them doing anything. I mean, the time to have done something I think would have been, I guess – before during training camp, maybe allowing them to open camp early, but they would have had to get that approved by the NFLPA, which just wasn't going to happen. So, no, I don't see them getting something extra, at least not as of this uh, recording. So, all right, next question comes from Jeffrey Smith. Wants to know, haven't heard anything on Shepard or McKinney or Mayo. Have you any info? Okay, this one came in actually Tuesday. And since then, David Mayo has been designated to return. So the 21-day window on him started Thursday. And um, he's actually eligible to return as soon as Sunday if he is medically cleared. And if he is, of course, they will have to clear a roster spot for him. So we'll see if they do that. Regarding McKinney, he's still at least another month and a half away. Um, I would not expect to hear anything on him until around Thanksgiving at the soonest. Sterling Shepard has, um, I think this will be his third full week on IR. So we'll see where he is next week. Again, he was, Joe Judge was asked about him and said he's working hard, but, uh, Turf toe is is a very tricky injury. It's one that's very painful and can take a while to heal. So as far as I know, he's making progress. I can't tell you exactly where he is in this progress, but um, they are encouraged and believe that they will get him back at some point in the next few weeks. So thank you for your question. Up next, we have questions, multiple questions from Renato Parente. So let me take them one at a time. Um, let's see. When a play doesn't go as planned, like when the quarterback is sacked, how to know who should be taken into accountability, if any of the assistant coaches or the player itself or the play caller. Um, Renato, 
it's actually a combination of all of the above. It could be something as simple as, you know, a coach calling a wrong play, which is not very often what happens. It could be a, a wrong protection call. It could be the quarterback just held the ball too long. It could be um, a guy whiffed on his assignment. There's any number of reasons why. There's no set formula. Basically, what you have to do is just watch the tape and try to, you know, gather the clues as to what happened on the play and draw your own conclusions. Now, what you'll never find out, because the coaches and players will never tell you, is what the protection call is, what the exact play call was. So you just have to kind of piece together what you can based on what the film tells you. All right, next question from Renato. I am rooting for Daniel Jones to thrive on this team. He has great upside to excel. To you, what should be able to be the deal breaker to decide whether Jones is our franchise quarterback or not? Um, I would say if he doesn't improve. You know, um, it's, it's going to be the same criteria that John Mara is going to use to decide if the Giants are on the upswing or, or need to change a general manager. Are they getting better each week? Are the mistakes um, shrinking? Now, Daniel Jones does a lot of things very well. He also does a few things not so well. And one of the things he doesn't do as well that has carried over from his rookie season has been his tendency to bird dog his receivers and take a long time to process what is in front of him. Now, before I kick him to the curb, I'd want to see how he does with um, more pre-snap motion because pre-snap motion can help a, a quarterback, a young quarterback, get a jump on what the defense is doing. I'd want to see, you know, Saquon Barkley in the lineup. Um, that's don't, don't underestimate that. That's a huge loss as is Sterling Shepard. So I, I just don't think, you know, they're going to give up on Daniel Jones this year, regardless of what happens. I think, you know, they, he would really, really have to regress. And I know it looks like he's regressed, but, there are things that he does well, like I said. Um, I'd like to see him expedite the mental processing, you know, and, and that's only going to come, you know, you got to remember, he's in a brand new offense that he's really been running for, what, seven weeks now, if that long, eight weeks. Um, he's still learning it. He's got an inexperienced center in front of him who's still learning it. So it's going to take time. And if you go back to what Joe Judge said um, a while ago, he basically inferred that these first four games of the season are kind of like preseason games. So there was a lot of, you know, rust to knock off. There was a lot of um, uh, uh, bumps to smooth out, wrinkles to smooth out. So let's see how the Giants do over the next you know, 12 weeks or so if they can overcome some of the problems they had early on. Okay, your next question and last question is, um, I know you don't like doing predictions on what our win record will be, but looking at the current roster and some realistic scenarios of early pick in 2021, what players should we go after? You're right, Renato. I, I don't like to go that far ahead. I couldn't even tell you right now, other than maybe Trevor Lawrence, who's in the draft next year. So save that question for me till the end of the year when I start looking at um, at, at draft prospects. Right now, I, I'm just 
my hands are full covering um, this team on a daily basis to where I just don't have the time to look at college football the way I should. So um, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll, I promise you, if you ask me that question later on in the year, I will circle back to it. I will say this, though. I would like to see them get um, a, a receiver, a true number one receiver for Daniel Jones. I don't think he's ever really had that, and I think that would make a really big difference in his play if they can pull that off. All right, folks, you are listening to Lockdown Giants with Patricia Trena. We are doing a Friday mailbag. So let's take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to swing over to the Twitter questions. So stay with us. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. So be sure to pick up a nice cool Pepsi to enjoy while you watch Giants football. And don't forget, Check out madeforfootballwatching.com for the latest football watching content exclusively from Pepsi. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment two of Locked On Giants. We are doing a mailbag show. And uh, in this next segment, these are are, uh, questions that were sent to me via Twitter to one of my um, tweets that I, I sent out. And a lot of these have to do with Daniel Jones. So I think some of them might even be overlaps to what we did in the first segment. But let's go through them and see what is on everybody's mind. Uh, let's see. Oscar Nieves wants to know, um, I think the Giants staff is, is right to be patient with Jones. But the things that are bothering me about him more than learning a new system are his body language, his receiver stare down, his pocket presence, or lack thereof. Can these things be taught, and how long do we wait? So, Oscar, I think pocket presence or pocket awareness is just kind of something you either have or you don't have. I don't know necessarily that it can be taught. I know there's been talk about, you know, a, a timer in one's head, but again, I don't know that... Um, I think that takes a while to develop. I mean, you just, you can't hear footsteps. And once you start hearing footsteps, it takes a long time to kind of reverse that. And I think of, you know, quarterbacks like David Carr when he was with the Texans, you know, when they first started up, even Eli Manning in in the latter part of his career, when he started to hear footsteps and, you know, it's almost like they, they become shell shocked. So I don't know necessarily if that can be taught I think you know there are probably drills that can be done but you know that's just a you know a conditioning thing with your mind 
the body language, I, I think I see what you're talking about. Sometimes Daniel looks like he's, he, you know, the shoulders are slumped and he looks, you know, defeated. That's just, you know, that could be frustration. That could be any number of things. I don't want to put too much stock into that because that doesn't bother me as much, I don't think. The receiver stare down, that's going to come, I think, when he feels a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. Right now, you can tell he's not comfortable in the pocket. So he kind of, you know, decides in his mind, okay, this is what the play is. This is where, you know, my best option is or my first option is. And he kind of sticks with that. He doesn't, you know, allow himself to deviate too much from from what the, the main option is. And I think that's what gets him into trouble. So I think the more snaps he takes Oscar, the better he's going to get, the more comfortable he's going to get in that regard. All right, next question comes from Lenny Dela Cruz who asks, doesn't Daniel Jones have better stats than Eli after their first 16 games? I think he does, Lenny. I think the only stat that um, he doesn't have that that's as good as is, is the interceptions, the turnover rate. But, you know, to compare Eli and Daniel Jones after a year, I never really thought that was a fair comparison because Eli just had so much more to work with. I think he had a, a little better offensive line in his, you know, his first and second year. Um, he definitely had better receivers. You know, he had legitimate number one receivers in Amani Tumor, and then later, you know, Plaxico Burris when they added him to the mix. He had um, early in his career, he had Tiki Barber, you know, for the running game, and then Brandon Jacobs came in and, and Ahmad Bradshaw. So I don't know that it's a fair comparison to look at the stats and call it apples for apples, but I do think you're correct. You know, if you're just going numbers to numbers, I think you're right. Uh, Daniel has done a little bit better than Eli after 16 starts. Thomas O'Keefe asks, is Daniel Jones a starter or career backup? Has anyone tried to coach staring down his primary receiver Etc. Um, Thomas, I I think Daniel is a is a starter. Um, I think what people have to um, remember, like I like I said in the pr- previous segment, and I said before, it's a new system, and I just remember Daniel having you know take, taking a little while to grasp what Pat Shermer was initially teaching, and then he. Ultimately, he got it, and he played better, if you remember, as the year went on. I think in this system, what's going on is, you know, there might be a little shell-shocking involved here with the offensive line. The pass protection has been better, but not consistent. I also think that Daniel doesn't allow himself to really think about his second and third options. So, like I said before, to in the previous answer, it's like he gets a play, and the play might have three options. And I think, you know, when he goes through his pre-snap read, he kind of makes up his mind what he's going to do beforehand. And because he's made up his mind, he then locks in on the guy and doesn't really give that, you know, look at the options two, three, and if there's a fourth option. That's what I think is getting him into trouble. Um, that's just something he has to work at, you know. It, it's like, you know, if you're driving a car and you come to a, a a fork in the road, and you say to yourself, come hell or high water, I'm going and taking the left side. And and you don't even bother to look at the right side to see what, you know, that, oh, look, there's no, you know, cliff that you're going to go off of if, if you, 
you know, take that side versus the left side that you've already made your mind. You're going to go go down and lo and behold, there's a cliff and you're going to fall off the cliff. I think that's what's happening with Daniel. And, and, you know, he just has to become more comfortable within the scheme to where he's thinking less and reacting more would be my, would be my um, guess there. All right. Next question comes from NYG8881. If sticking with Daniel Jones, should wide receiver be a priority in the draft or focus on offensive line again? I'm going to say receiver, depending on where they draft, of course. You know, if, if they're drafted in the top five, there would have to be a really blue chip receiver. Um, if there is not, I would look to trade down and recoup some of the draft picks that, that um, they're not going to have. They don't have a fifth and a seventh. I would also look to see about getting, you know, like an extra day one, day two uh, group of picks if I could. But I definitely think you want to add a receiver. I don't know that they really have a number one receiver right now on this team. All right. Next question comes from KJ Lafaso, who asks, why doesn't Jason Garrett use more rollouts with Jones? Also, why haven't we seen many screen passes to slow down the rush? Probably because, um, to, for your second question, the Giants haven't done as good a job blocking the screen. Um, and you combine that and also Saquon Barkley being removed from the equation. I mean, he was the guy who was really going to factor into that screen game. And I think that factored, you know, is, is a big reason why the Giants are not, you know, using screens to, to slow down the pass rush. Now, I think they could probably do it with Devonta Freeman. I'd like to see them try it with Deion Lewis. Uh, again, it goes back to the offensive line and their struggles to block for screens. And let's see, the other question you asked, why doesn't Garrett use more rollouts with Jones? I think he's just at this point trying to keep it as simple as possible for Jones. That's my impression. Um don't make it too complex, especially when, like, I, like I've been saying all along, Jones is kind of focusing on the first option in, in any given play and is not really thinking outside the box and saying, okay, well, if this option is, is, isn't available to me. I'm going to go to option B or option C. So that's what I think is going on there. All right, folks, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer. It is our weekly mailbag. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of your questions here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trainer, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. And I want to tell you about my debut book. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. And I've sought to create a living history of the top men and moments that have made one of the NFL's charter franchises what it is today. Relive the franchise's four Super Bowls. Find out what convinced former general manager Ernie Accorsi that quarterback Eli Manning was indeed the one. Learn about the events that brought the Tisch family into the Giants' ownership floor, and so much more. This 368-page paperback book includes loads of photos and the stories of some of the greatest giants in history as told in their own words. The Big 50, the men and moments that made the New York Giants, is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever else books are sold. So pick up your copy today. And if you like it, please give it a five-star review. And thank you so much for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment three of Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we are doing a mailbag 
best show of the week as far as I'm concerned. And that's no offense to the other great guests that we have on the show, the crossover show and uh, occasional visit by Ed Valentine and anybody else who comes on the show. But seriously, the show is all about you guys. It's about the fans. Um, You guys, your passion for the team, your passion for Giants football, just it's what keeps me going. And, And trust me, you know, when the team's losing, it's really hard to cover them. It's, it's hard to keep finding, you know, the bright spots. I try to be optimistic however I can, um, with also being objective and, and it's tricky, but, um, anyway, I do appreciate the listens and the, the follows and the ratings and the retweets and all that stuff. And it is my pleasure to answer your questions once we hear on the mailbag. And as a reminder, if you want to participate in the weekly podcast mailbag, the best thing to do, email your questions to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. This way I know they go specifically to the podcast. And the reason for that is, is for those who don't know, I also do a weekly mailbag on Giants Country. And uh, that one I've been using the Ask P Train tag and been using my Twitter account. And uh, sometimes what ends up happening is, is I mix the two up, or at least that's how I used to uh, be. I used to mix the two up, and I'd put questions that were meant for the podcast on the uh, on the the mailbag on the site, and vice versa. So this has been working out really well, and I do appreciate everybody who has you know uh, followed along and and done uh, done it this way. All right, a couple more questions, and then we will call it a show. Uh, I've got a bunch of questions from, let me see who this is from, this person. It looks like, for the sake of the widow's son, uh, crowned prince, I guess it is. That's who it looks like. So let me see what he said. Just bear with me a second here. Okay, so he asked if... The Giants and Daniel, if Daniel Jones, excuse me, has another game like he had last week, should they bench him? I'm assuming you mean um, against the Rams. Um, no, I, I, I don't think you bench Daniel Jones. Look, look, I, I kind of, I think I know where you're coming from with this question. You know, Washington benched Dwayne Haskins, and Ron Rivera has turned to. I think system quarterbacks that he had in Carolina because he feels that they can make a run, you know, in the division being where, what it's at. I think in the case of the Giants and Joe Judge, Joe Judge has, I think, a little better handle on, on where things are at with the team. And by that, I mean, he, he inherited this team. It's a brand new team, new players, new personnel new coaching staff, new everything. So there's a little bit more of a learning curve, a little bit more of a getting to know you type of curve. And I, I mentioned this in the first segment. I'll mention it again. The first four games of this season, unfortunately, were the Giants preseason. And I say unfortunately because they count against the standings and they're 0-4 and I get it. You know, you don't want to hear that. It's like, look, they had training camp. They should be ready, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is, is, you know, you watch the Giants, you know, during training camp as we did, did the media and you would say to yourself, Oh, wow, the offense looks good. And oh, the defense looks bad. And then you'd have to ask yourself, well, is it because the offense was really good? 
and the defense was really bad or, or, or what exactly was it? So in other words, it was more of a controlled environment and you couldn't, you know, it, it was kind of, I think, premature to say that, wow, the defense really looks good or the offense really looks good because it, they knew what they were, what they were going up against. So you couldn't really, I think, tell, get a clean look at it. Now that you're playing games, you get a little better look at, at what's going on because it's not like Joe Judge is putting the offense out there and he's telling the defense, okay, you know, I want to see the third down defense or the, or, or the uh, four minute offense or whatever. He, he can't do that. He has to go with the flow of the game. So I think that's a factor there. So with that said, I think you have to be a little bit more patient with Daniel Jones. He's had four games in this system with Jason Garrett. It is a system that is much different than what he ran under Pat Shermer. Um, you could tell he's not quite at the point where he's think, you know, thinking less and just doing. And I even remember, you know, a few years ago when Eli Manning, when the Giants made the switch from Kevin Gilbride to, uh, Ben McAdoo, Eli Manning was a veteran at the time. He had been in the years, the, the league over, uh, 10 years. And even he, I can remember saying that, you know, it took him a while to get comfortable to where he wasn't thinking as much in the offense and just was going out there and had a feel for it. So on that basis, no, I don't think the Giants are going to bench Daniel Jones um, if he has another bad game. And, you know, I, I think you got to stick with him. I, I really, you know, look, if he's your guy and you believe that he's your guy, you don't put him on the bench. You know, you look at Washington and, and you ask yourself, look, do does Ron Rivera really think that he, that Dwayne Haskins is his guy, you know, or was that a pick that was, you know, forced on the organization? We, we don't know the story of that. So I think it's two different situations. And I think uh, Daniel's going to be the quarterback for better, or for worse, as long as he's healthy. Okay. One more question via email. This one comes from Brett Moore and he asks, let's see, after, how the Giants, after drafting Eric Flowers, uh, seemingly made the mistake, same mistake again with Andrew Thomas, poor hand placement, poor balance attempts to block, etc. Brett, I don't know that you can say th that they made the same mistake with Andrew Thomas. I don't look at Andrew Thomas quite the same way that, you know, maybe you look at Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers was just, he was uncoachable. Unco no matter what they tried to do to fix him, um, you know, he just, he just didn't take the coaching. And it's very unfortunate because he had talent. And, you know, you speak of coaching, by the way, Eric Flowers, when he came out of college, I think a lot of people thought that he would be a better fit at guard. And for whatever the reason, the Giants never bothered to try him at guard. And guess where he's playing today and doing so well? Yep, you guessed it, at guard. So I think it was a combination of, of two things. It, it was, you know, Flowers just, he came out of school and he wasn't really an, a, a left tackle like the Giants thought he was. He also, just for whatever reason, he went through how many offensive line coaches? I want to say three before they finally, you know, shipped him out of here. So it was a failure on both sides. And I don't think you can say that about Andrew Thomas at this stage of the game. Um, Andrew Thomas, from everything I've heard, is coachable. He works at it. And, you know, his problem is that he's inconsistent. It's not like, you know, every time 
he's he's you know making the same mistakes over and over. It's just an, a lack of consistency, but he does work at it. So let's let's cut the kid a little slack right now and give him a break. I don't. I'm just not ready to, to, to say that he's a, a bust like Eric Flowers was. All right, folks, that'll do it for today's show. That'll do it for this week's show. As always, I want to thank you for your participation, your letters, your feedback, everything, and especially for continuing to listen. Thanks to you. Last month, we had our best record month ever for downloads. And uh, here's hoping we can top last month. Uh, so I want to thank you for, for your listens and make sure you tune in next week. We'll have an, a whole new slate of shows until then. Have a great weekend, everybody. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime Checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.